This sermon is brought to you by Shofar East London. Together, living out the fullness of Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. So, uh, this morning we're speaking about moving mountains through prayer. And, yo, I tell you, I live for the moving of the mountain. I live for seeing God show up and just shift people's lives and realities. And we're trusting for that this morning. I want to share a few things that hopefully will stir your faith. And uh, we're going to pray for people at the end of this message. Uh, last week, Sunday, we saw some incredible things happen, incredible miracles Um Happened. So I want to encourage also for those who were prayed for last week to also give us feedback. Uh, we want to know what happened. We want to know what, what, what God did in your life. And it was just, yeah, it was, it's just beautiful to see the Lord move mightily. And so we're trusting for more of that this morning. So if you have any disease, sickness, pain in your body, we're trusting at the end of the service that Jesus is going to heal you. Amen. Amen. So mountains, mountains are not supposed to move. And I think sometimes that's how we feel about certain aspects of our lives. We're so used to looking at this mountain and this thing staring down at us that it intimidates us. Could be our finances, could be our relationships that's struggling. It could be our situation in our country. It's just like, can it change? Can this change? And I think that's the mountain because it speaks to you. It intimidates you. It's wanting to steal your faith and your confidence. Now we serve the mountain moving God. And I want to share with you this morning how we can shift things out of that place of an immovable mountain to a place where it actually moves, where miracles break out and the kingdom of God comes. So we had such a beautiful... um, camp uh, yesterday i was at the young adults camp and uh, we were ministering it was just so so beautiful um there was such a beautiful prophetic flow i just realized even sometimes it's just just to be aware of what god is doing in a moment and then to flow with what he's doing and lives are shifted lives are transformed so just love it just to go, stepping out, risking it. You're not sure. I don't even know what I'm going to say, but I feel the Lord is saying, give this somebody a prophetic word, like in front of everybody. And then it just so the tears running down their face. And it's not me speaking. It's God touching their hearts. It's, it's incredible. The nature of the kingdom of God is that God should show up. It should be more than you guys just listening to someone speaking. It should be Jesus breaking into your life, showing up. And so we're trusting for more of that this morning, that the mountains are going to move in Jesus' name. Okay, so I want to share, share a story with you about prayer. So in 1857, there was in the U.S. So slavery, there was rebellion, there were rumors of war spreading across the United States. Then three years later, Americans turned on each other and made bloody history. There was a civil war. 
But in that same year, in 1857, another kind of history was made in New York City. It's the kind of history you don't read about in the textbooks. On September 23, 1857, a Christian layman named Jeremiah Lanfear, held his first ever businessman's prayer meeting in Lower Manhattan. It was not by any account a rousing success. He had passed out flyers for weeks, and only six men attended. Two weeks later, the stock market crashed. Thousands of families lost all they had. Ironically, this time also marked the beginning of one of the greatest spiritual awakenings the world has ever seen. Week by week, Jeremiah Lanfear's tiny lunch hour prayer meeting grew larger and larger by December. So from September, end of September to December, his six men had grown to 10,000. And they met not every week, but every day. 10,000 people praying daily. The New York newspapers took notice, and when word spread to other cities, spontaneous revival broke out across the country. In Cleveland and St. Louis, thousands packed downtown churches and theaters three times each day to pray. Three times. In Chicago, churches had waiting lists for people wanting to teach Sunday school. Now, that's a miracle. And all across America, pastors were baptizing Something like 20,000 new believers every week. This revival became known as the third great awakening and eventually spread around the world. In England, entire towns were converted. Some towns disbanded their police force because of a lack of crime. Jesus, please. Here, Lord. Here in, in South Africa, in East London. Lord, do it again. And so many people came to Christ that churches were forced to hold services outside to accommodate the swelling crowds. The world had seen nothing like it before or since. It was revival on a global scale, and God started it with one man. I'm sharing that with you because sometimes we get used to the mountains. We get used to what we're seeing in our country. And I tell you, when the pressure is on and when things are tough, It makes us hungry and desperate for more of God. So thank you for load shedding, Lord. Thank you for trials and challenges, God. If it moves us to our knees and it leads to revival, then amen. Let it be. Let it be. God is able, we see it over history over the last 2,000 years. There are times, there are seasons, and there's something that started at the Asbury uh, University amongst young people, and it is spreading there. This is hearing so many stories of God awakening young people. And we're like, God, let it spread. Do it again. Do it again. Seasons where we see nations change. Seasons where we see so many people turn to Christ. And I'm like, God, just do it again. Amen. But you and I need to partner with the Lord. It, does, it doesn't just happen. It's partnership. God has designed the kingdom of God in such a way that we need to partner with him if we want to see his kingdom come. And there's nothing that freaks the enemy out that makes him weak in the knees like when you and I are on our knees praying. Praying and partnering with heaven. And so I want to share a few thoughts this morning of how you and I can move mountains through prayer. 
I give you a process of how we can unlock faith to see the kingdom of God come. And so James chapter 5 verse 16 is the the, the key verse I want to unpack. And it says, the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Avails much. Come on, say avails much. That means mountain moving prayers. It avails much. Effective, fervent, passionate prayer of a righteous man or woman, someone who's in right standing with God, avails much. It shifts realities. It moves mountains. And so it says they're effective, and that means prayer can also be ineffective. And one of the biggest things that makes prayer ineffective is unbelieving prayer. Unbelieving prayer is ineffective prayer. Just because you're praying doesn't mean that it's working. I don't know about you, but I don't like being religious. Just doing things for the sake of doing it. I want to do things that work. I want to do things that changes lives. I want to live in a way that my prayers are effective, powerful, availing much. And that is available to all of us. That is available to all of us. But the biggest obstacle to effective prayer is unbelief. And I spoke about that last week. Unbelief. You see, you don't need big faith. Why? Because Jesus said, if you have faith like a mustard seed, which a mustard seed is like mini, mini, very, very, very small. If you have faith like a mustard seed, you can speak to the mountain and it will move. That's what Jesus said. But then he qualified and he said, and if you do not doubt, if you don't have unbelief. And so unbelief corrupts our faith. That's what Jesus said, corrupt, crooked and corrupt generation. He was like so frustrated because their faith had been infected with unbelief. So big faith is not the key. It is having many faith. But pure faith, childlike faith, unbelief out, unbelief removed from our being. You see, and and this is, I think, probably the biggest challenge because we allow unbelieving thoughts in. We allow unbelieving arguments into our thoughts and lives. And we lean into our intellect instead of leaning upon the word of God. And so we need to get that out. We allow the word, the testimony, the newspapers, people to determine our faith levels. And that's never going to work. You have to look to the word of God to have real faith. So I'm trusting this morning to give you a bit of a process of how you can break out of unbelief into a wholehearted faith. But I tell you, it encourages me to know I don't need big faith. I need mini faith, just pure faith. We must just get the unbelief out. Okay, so ineffective prayer is unbelieving prayer. So Matthew 21, verse 20, this is the parallel passage of what we spoke of last week. So it says, and when the disciples saw it, there's another case where Jesus speaks about mountain moving faith. And he says, and when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, how did the fig tree wither away so soon? 
So what happened? Jesus came to a fig tree. There was no fruit on it, so he cursed it. He said, never carry fruit again. Next day they came past, and this tree was withered. They're like, how did this happen? This is too quick. And and, and it reveals the power of words, negative words. We, we've discovered the last six months, last nine months, as we pray for people for freedom from darkness on their souls, we've discovered often how they don't get free until we break their agreement with negative words, ungodly words. We, so what happens is, is we, we, we tend to agree with the enemy. We start speaking unbelief with our own words. So we agree with the enemy and that binds us to darkness. Even as with Jesus, he spoke to the tree, he cursed it, it withered. That's the power of negative words. So what are you speaking? What are you speaking in your life? What are you saying about your future? Because if you agree with the enemy, you give him legal access into your life. It's not going to work. It's going to fall apart. Oh, I'm such a loser. Oh, it's not going to work. I'm not, there's not going to be finances. Whatever it is. Don't speak. Don't agree with the enemy. Otherwise, you give him access. But in the same way, if you and I, if negative words, if negative words are that powerful, how much more the power of agreeing with God? What if you and I would start to agree with what God is saying? Put his word in your mouth. And you're going to see ultimately mountains move. Anyway, so it continues and says, so Jesus answered and said to them, assuredly. Again, when Jesus says assuredly, he's like, okay, I know you're going to struggle. You're going to struggle to believe me. But assuredly, I say to you, you have to listen now. If you have faith. And you do not doubt. You see, he qualifies it. And you do not doubt. If you do not have unbelief. You will not only do what is done to the fig tree. But also if you say to this mountain. Be removed and be cast into the sea. It will be done. And whatever things you ask in prayer. Believing you will receive. So Jesus saying effective Prayer, mountain-moving prayer is faithful prayer, without doubt, without unbelief. So you and I need to assault, we need to declare war on every unbelieving, faithless, hopeless thought or argument or emotion in our lives. Otherwise, it relegates us to, to, to struggle, relegates us to be powerless in our prayers. And the Lord wants to move mightily. So uh, one of the stories that always, you know, Smith Wigglesworth is a uh, well-known guy from the UK, minister of the gospel. But he he was known as the apostle of faith. So he had this radical faith. And some of the stories are just wild. But I realized with him, he didn't doubt he knew God is with me. And so I want to share one of the stories with you to show you what, what is possible in the kingdom of God. So this is a, there's a story that's written by his son-in-law. And the son-in-law, he was interviewed and he said he didn't like traveling with his father-in-law. He didn't like to travel with Smith Wigglesworth because he freaked him out. 
Because at the start of his meetings, before he would preach, he would just say, the, the, basically bring me the person in the house with the worst sickness, the worst disease. And my God's going to heal them now. So the poor son-in-law was like, oh, oh, oh. but he said God showed up. So in the one scenario, he says there was a, there was a woman with cancer and she had like, the tumor was so big, she looked pregnant. That's how big the cancer was. And she was sitting in the audience with two ladies that basically carried her to the service, brought her to the service. And when, and they knew that Smith is going to say, right, first person. So they would, they jumped up with this lady at the start when he was going to preach and she came, um, they came onto stage. And then it says, so instead of praying for her, as everyone expected him to do, Wigglesworth told them, the two holding her up, let go of her. Let her stand by herself. When the ladies did as he said, the woman crashed to the floor, falling on top of the tumor. Like, like she fell to the floor. And the audience was like, whoa. And then it, Wigglesworth was unmoved. He said, pick her up. He told them. Again, he ordered them to let her stand alone. Reluctantly, they complied. And once more, the poor woman fell down with a thud. People were, the audience was freaking out. By this time, some people in the congregation were becoming hostile. But Wigglesworth paid no attention. He said, let go of her. He said to the two ladies, but this time they would not. So the third time they would not. And then someone in the audience got up and screamed, you callous brute. Okay, so now there, there, there's where my faith would be buckling. I would like, okay, dear lady, please, I'm so sorry. Please go and sit down. We will pray for you again at a later stage. But not this guy. So he responds to the man that shouted, you callous brute. And he said to him, you mind your own business. I know mine. So he turned to the two women. He repeated his command. Let go of her and let her stand by herself. Do as I say. So they let go. And she started to fall. And as she's going down, she stopped and she stood up. And they saw this massive tumor lying on the floor next to her, fully healed. Isn't that awesome? Ah, that's so powerful. Thank you, Jesus. We honor you, Lord. We honor you. And we love load shedding as well. Praise God. No air con, but we have a fan. Praise Jesus. Yes. Okay. Otherwise, I overheat and then my brain can't function. But I love that story because for Smith, most people, when you see that, you'll buckle. 99 out of 20 million people will buckle because everything is, all your physical sense is saying, God's not healing her. And the people are angry with you. You callous brute. So if you have any fear of man, you're buckling. And, and, I, and I realize in, 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 my, in my own life, I've seen this so many times. I have faith 
I'm confident and we're going to do this. And then we pray and then at first nothing. And then I start to uh, uh, buckle under the pressure of the fear of man or my senses tell me nothing's happening. And then, and, and, and that reveals unbelief. That reveals doubts because you're allowing your physical senses to dictate to you your faith levels when it should be the word of God. It should be what God is saying. And as I shared last week, uh, as we were ministering in Cape Town, the, the, the Saturday evening of ministry, the Lord, I was, I was asking God, okay, because I always want to be in tune with what God is doing in, in every ministry situation. I just want to partner with what God is doing. And so I felt the Lord wants to heal people. And I was asking the Lord, okay, God, what are you doing? And who you want to heal? And then at some point, the Lord just, I heard the voice of God on the inside of me saying to me, I'll back you. And so I was like, I refuse to be moved by unbelief. And I, I just, it was just such a powerful moment where I just knew, okay, God is saying, whatever you call out, I'm going to heal it. And so we called out like, 20 plus year conditions, about eight to 10 people. And one by one, they were healed. One by one, they were healed. Just stepping out. Lord, I believe, I refuse unbelief. You are the healer, Jesus. You paid for the healing. And it's epic. I tell you, when you are unmoved by physical circumstances, you are unmoved by the opinions of people and your eyes are on Christ and what he is saying. <sighs> Mountains move. Mountains move. Mountains move. But you have to get the unbelief out. And you have to get faith in. Even a little bit of faith. But you have to stand on the word of the Lord. So it's like there's two, two, two highways. There's a highway and there's a low way. The highway is when you are in the spirit realm, seated in high places, seated with Christ in heavenly places. On this highway, you can access everything Jesus paid for. It's the way of faith without doubt. So you're on this highway and over here is Jesus died for your healing. To heal you physically. And you're like, thank you, Jesus. And over here is provision. And you say, thank you, Jesus. And here is salvation and the blood of Jesus that washes us clean of all our sin and breaks off, you know, patterns of addiction. And you say, thank you, Jesus. And over here is the freedom that Jesus paid for you so that you can be free from darkness on your soul. And you're like, thank you, Jesus. So you're walking, you're taking a stroll down the highway and it's yours. Because you're seated in heavenly places with Christ. You're spiritually seated. It is where you want to live. It is available to every child of God. And I, and I believe the Lord is challenging, is certainly challenging me to take up that place. Because what happens is we tend to dwell down here in the lowlands. Because there's a low way. Over here, there's just poverty, spiritually. There's just nothing that's available. And the enemy has access to your life. You're struggling with unbelief. You're struggling with anxiety. It's the enemy's tormenting you. And there's access to very little. You pray, nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. Because you're spiritually 
in that low path, in that, in that low lands. And the Lord is saying you need to take up your place. And that's why I love what we're doing right now as we're praying around the city. And I love it because I know I can sense it. As we're praying around the city and taking authority over the spirit realm in the city, I can see and I can feel it. It's like I'm taking up my place of authority above every demonic thing in the city. I have authority, but I'm above it. I'm not beneath it. But you have to take up your place. You have to take up your place. So I've been learning this even as traveling because often the Lord would move mightily and there'd be miracles and so forth. And a, and a year or two ago, I was in Cape Town and uh, in the city center. And, you know, it's quite dark in this Cape Town city center. There's a lot of nonsense there. So I was like, oh, you know, I don't want to fight with the demonic powers, which is real. But I don't, I don't want to fight. I just want to come under the radar, come and minister and do my thing and then fly out again. And so we minister on the first day, and I'm no miracles. God's not, no manifestation of the power of God. Second day, no miracles, no manifestation of the power of God. The last day, the Tuesday, I was like, what the heck? And then I realized I haven't taken authority. I haven't taken authority. I am under the power of the enemy. So there's no flow of life. And then I took authority. In the mighty name of Jesus, I like, I am above it. I'm not beneath it. And then boom, miracles broke out. People had God encounters. It was like heaven came. And then if you read history and you read about your guys who do evangelistic crusades, I know the one guy was really powerful evangelist in Argentina. Um, and he mighty signs and wonders and deliverance in his ministry and how he would do it. He would feel saints where God is calling him to go. Then he would travel to that town or city. He'd book himself into a motel and he would start praying for days, sometimes for weeks until the Lord say, it's time. Then he would start the meetings and then incredible miracles would break out. You know, so, so sometimes we're like, God, where are you? Why aren't you moving? I feel so oppressed at work. Well, have you taken authority over your work environment? Have you walked in the authority of Jesus Christ as a son or a daughter of God? Have you taken authority over your environment and said, Jesus is Lord here? Fear and intimidation, lies are not welcome. If you haven't, you're going to be under it. And it's terrible. Unbelief and whatever else, struggling. And so I, it's like the Lord is teaching me. So now, when I move anywhere, the day before ministry, it's like, I am taking authority over you, devil. Jesus, this is Jesus' town. This is Jesus' place. And it works. There's real, actual manifestation of signs and wonders and miracles and people turning to Jesus. The demonic is real. If God is real, then the devil is real. Amen? And so I know people aren't always like talking about the demonic, but I tell you, if you, if you go to a church where the devil never manifests, I, I'm wondering if Jesus is there. If Jesus shows up, the enemy will be, will, will manifest as well and he will be cast out and people will be set free. And so the Lord is calling us to take up our place in the spirit. Don't be under, don't walk on the lowlands, go to the highlands. Come on, say it, I'm, I'm moving up to the highway. 
Amen. Come on, move up to the highway. You have authority. The enemy has been defeated at the cross, and the Lord is going to crush the enemy under your feet. Quickly, boom. But you have to believe the enemy has been defeated. He's small. And sometimes we have more faith in the devil than we have faith in God. And I realize that's where I was at times. Like, oh, I don't want to have a fight. No, I'm just, I'm going to clap you, and then we're going to see Jesus move. Amen. Amen. Come on. Hallelujah. So you don't need big faith. You need mustard seed faith. You need mustard seed. A little bit of faith. Just get unbelief out. And then you will see powerful, powerful things happening. So, so this is important. If you want to move the mountain in front of you, whatever it is, you need to move the mountain on the inside of you. You need to move the mountain within you. That mountain is called unbelief, doubts, fears, lies. Having more faith in the enemy than you have faith in God. You need to move that. You need to assault it. You need to, you need to declare war on doubts. Every argument, every emotion, every thought that is not of God. You need to declare, declare war on it. So how do we pray powerful, effective prayers? Okay. Few keys. Number one. Key number one. You need to proclaim the promises of God. You need to kill unbelief. I love how Reinhard Bonnke says it. It was a really powerful evangelist. Um, he's passed away. But he would say there's a scripture where a dad brings his boy to Jesus to be healed. And then he's, and then Jesus asks him, do you have faith, basically? And he's like, I believe, Lord, but help my unbelief. And I love how Reinhard Bonnke said, he said, Lord, don't help my unbelief. Kill it. Just kill it. <laughs> so that's my prayer. Lord, kill it. Let there be no trace of unbelief. Let me not be influenced by the natural realm. Lord, I want to live in a heavenly dimension where all things become possible with God. So the key number one is you need to proclaim the promises of God. If you want to pray effectively, you can't just pray in a void. You need to embrace the promise of God and hold it before the Lord. How do you pray? You put your side, you have your 30 minutes, you're going to pray now. How do you pray? You start by declaring the promises of God. Just one verse. You don't need to know the whole Bible. Find one. Psalm, Psalms or anywhere. Just find one. Google it. Awesome promises in the Bible. <laughs> and then you take one and then you declare it. You declare it. You declare it. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman avails much. Lord, I am that person. I am that effective, passionate prayer and it's going to move mountains lord i believe so you have to focus your thoughts you can't just come in like oh yeah lord our country's going to hell everything's falling apart oh just take me to heaven jesus no no that's not going to move mountains don't do complaining pray victim mentality pray that's not going to help that's not going to move you forward No, come. Lord, your word says, assuredly, he who believes in me, the same works that I do, he will do, and greater works he will do. That's what Jesus said. So then you declare, God, I thank you, Lord. Jesus, same works. What you did, I can do, because you live in me by the Holy Spirit. And even greater. God, I believe it. I know you're going to back me up when I declare it. So you contend for faith. You have to assault the unbelief, otherwise just ineffective prayers, a waste of time. 
So Matthew 17, verse 21, is last week's passage. And the disciples were like asking Jesus, why could we not cast out the demon and heal the boy of the epilepsy? And so Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. And then Jesus goes on and he gives them the solution to their unbelief. It says, however, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. And many times this is interpreted as saying this kind of demon or this kind of sickness or whatever is dealt with with prayer and fasting. But that's if you read it, you pick up Jesus is talking about unbelief. Saying if you want to get rid of unbelief, if you want to get rid of the lies and the negative arguments in your heart and your mind, this kind of unbelief where your senses is overwhelmed with the negative things you're seeing and experiencing, this kind of unbelief does not go out except by prayer and fasting. In other words, if you're struggling in your faith, if you're feeling like you're under stuff, if you're struggling with, with, with your confidence, if you're struggling with, with just negative things running through your mind and your heart, go and pray. Set time aside. Close your door. Go for a walk. Do, and I've been saying this now for about a month. I'm saying the same thing over and over because you didn't listen the first three times. <laughs> you need to pray. Stop accepting living under the cloud of darkness. Living under the cloud of unbelief and fear and anxiety. Refuse it. Saying, Lord, I'm not going to, I'm not accepting it. I am a believer. Unfortunately, many believers are what is called unbelieving believers. Are you okay with that? Are you okay with being an unbelieving believer? Because that's going to disconnect you from God. You say, no, 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 no. It's unacceptable. I will not be an unbelieving believer. I will not allow my physical senses to rule my world. I want my spirit senses and your word to define my faith. Come on, say it. I renounce unbelief in Jesus' name. Come on, say it. I'm not an unbelieving believer. I'm a believing believer. Amen. Come on, but you have to like this. Something needs to rise up within you. Say, I'm over this. Over this. I'm over being under something. And that's why I'm so, I'm like, I'm on a mission these last, this last while. I'm like, your enemy psyching me up. As I said last week, we prayed for a girl at youth who manifested a demon. And, yeah, and I shared it last week, but I want to remind us, remind myself, because this psychs me up. Yeah, at some point, the demon spoke through the girl, and the demon said, Andre, you are hated among us. I'm like, thank you, thank you, thank you. I think that's the greatest, most wonderful prize you can receive from hell, is that they hate you. I'm like, yes, yes. I may continue that. You're going to psych me up more. You're doing something right if the enemy hates you. And I know, you know, people don't like talking about the demonic and things like that, but it's real. And I tell you, when you look into the eyes of someone and they're manifesting a demon and they are speaking, the demon is talking. You know, and this girl was like caught up in the spiritual realm and, and there's all these demons around her. Oh man, I'm like, come on, let's give the devil heaven. Kingdom of heaven. God is moving. God is wanting to impact the city and this nation. But he's looking for a powerful church. A believing church. 
That's why I want to challenge us. I want to challenge you to stop living like the old you. Stop living under the cloud like I'm not very spiritual or I can't do this or I don't pray or I've, it's just nonsense. I know for, for us to see the kingdom of God coming in our city and region, that means powerful church. Not me, us walking in faith, seated with Christ in the heavenlies, understanding our authority in the kingdom, taking authority, not being under the cloud, but above it. Amen. Not unbelieving believers, believing believers. But the mindset needs to shift. You need to say no more. No more. I'm, I'm over living a powerless, a powerless existence. Faith connects you to the power of God. And Jesus said, if you want to get rid of unbelief, go and pray. With a promise. Proclaim these. That's where you start. Proclaim the promises of God. And then in James 5, verse 13, that's the passage where it also speaks about the effective, powerful, effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man. It says there, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Are you going through challenges? Go and pray. Pray with faith. Pray with the promises of God. And then it continues and it says, is anyone cheerful? Is it going well? Let him sing psalms. So it doesn't matter what you're happening. It's either you're going to pray or you're going to praise, but do something. Amen? If you're struggling, go pray until faith is unlocked and your peace is restored. Cheerful, so pray and praise continuously. Then James 5, 14. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him. Anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. So what is this passage? It is the New Testament covenant for healing. Physical healing. In the Old Testament it was Psalm 103. Bless the Lord O my soul. And all that is within me. Bless his holy name. And continues says. Who forgives all our sins. Iniquities. And who heals all our disease. That's the Old Testament covenant for healing. This is the New Testament one. Where it says, is anyone among you sick? Call the elders. Why? Because they should have faith. They should have mountain moving faith. Anyone can pray, but the qualifying factor is they need to have faith. And no doubt, if you want to see it happen. And the anointing oil speaks about the presence of the Holy Spirit that brings healing. So number one is you need to proclaim the praises of God or proclaim the promises of God. Number two If you want to move mountains through prayer, you need to produce power. How? Through praying in the spirit. You see, currently, we are having a lot of believers experiencing spiritual load shedding. Now, this illustration is working very well. Because we all feel the pain of load shedding. But this, for some of us, is like a continuous load shedding happening in the spirit. Why? Because we're not producing power. We're not producing power, which I will explain now. Producing power through praying in the spirit. And how does, how does it work? There is this gift called the praying, the praying in tongues or praying in the spirit. 
A New Testament gift that the Lord gives to every believer. It is not mature Christians one day praying in tongues. No, it's like you give your life to Jesus, you get baptized in water, and then boom, you get filled with the Holy Spirit, and you start praying in tongues. What is praying in tongues? Praying in tongues is your spirit empowered by the Holy Spirit to pray to God, the perfect prayer. It is so, so powerful. And I believe this is where the fervent prayer comes in. This passionate praying comes, comes in. So John G. Lake, uh, American missionary under his ministry in the 1920s or so, a hundred thousand people were physically healed in five years. Many of them documented healings. And he said, tongues have been to me the making of my ministry. It is that peculiar communication with God, which no one understands, that reveals to my soul the truth I utter to you day by day by the ministry. So he's saying, as I pray in tongues, as I allow my spirit to fellowship with God by the power of the Holy Spirit, I am producing power. I am producing power. I'm building a power in the inner man. I'll show you now from the scriptures in a moment. I'm, I'm energizing. I'm, re- I'm receiving Truths from heaven, and I'm unlocking power so that the kingdom of God can come. So 1 Corinthians 14, 2, it says, For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God, since people won't be able to understand you. But you will be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will all be mysterious. It is a gift from heaven. I believe five minutes of praying in tongues is more powerful than praying with your understanding for an hour. It's powerful. It's powerful. You want to pray in the spirit. Some of us are neglecting it. Some of us don't pray in tongues yet. And I want to stir you to desire it, to pursue it, to be hungry for the fullness of what God has for you. If you want your prayers to be powerful, if you want to unlock faith, in your life. Look at verse 4. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 4. It says a person who speaks in tongues. Is strengthened personally. Now its power is being produced on the inside. But one who speaks a word of prophecy. Strengthens the entire church. Prophecy is understandable. It's for everybody. But when I pray in tongues. I am empowering my spirit. So I love this illustration. It's like a, a river with a dam wall. And it's a hydroelectrical setup where if you open the sluice gates of this dam wall and the water runs through, it runs over turbines and then they generate power and then it can take electricity to like thousands and thousands and thousands of homes. That is a picture of praying in the spirit or praying in tongues. You have to get this. This is a gift from God. So when you open your mouth and you allow spiritual tongues and unknown heavenly language to flow forth from your inner being, it's like your tongue is like the turbine. And there's a river flowing from heaven to you. Jesus said rivers of living waters will flow forth from your inner being. So if you become aware of the presence of God, you turn your heart to the Lord. You're like, God, I thank you for your presence. And you allow this river of the spirit to flow over you. And you open your mouth and you pray in tongues. It's like you are producing power in your in the spirit man. I know for some of us this is a foreign concept. But just 
Hold on with me for a moment. It is so powerful. Whenever we do ministry, before we do, I pray in tongues for hours. Hours. I tell you, when I pray for people, then the kingdom of God comes. Because I've built up a spiritual power, spiritual power, like a battery system with power. And now you pray and then the kingdom comes. And the enemy is terrified. Okay, so the apostle Paul said it. You know, he prays in tongues in 1 Corinthians 14. He prays in tongues more than the whole Corinthian church. The apostle Paul believed in it. And there were signs and wonders following. So you need to proclaim the promises of God. To unlock faith. And then you need to pray. You need to produce power through praying in the spirit. And look at this last verse I want to share about praying in tongues. Jude 20. It says, but you, beloved. Building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Building yourselves up on your most holy faith. You're struggling with your faith? Proclaim promises. Then pray in the Spirit. Pray in tongues until faith is unlocked. Because it's going to build up your faith. It's going to make you more aware of the spirit realm and what God is saying than the natural realm. But you have to pursue it. You have to pursue it and you have to do it. You have like stepping up. You drive in your car, you pray in the spirit. I want to encourage you to set up time during the day, morning, lunch, afternoon, whenever, and just pray in the spirit with a promise from the Lord. Pray in the spirit and allow God to build that power on the inside of you. And then lastly, key number three, pray until breakthrough. Don't pray and stop. Pray until breakthrough. James 5.15, it says, And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. It says that the prayer of faith now comes on. The prayer of faith is the moment that you can speak to the mountain. You can speak to the sickness. You can speak to the demonic. You can speak to the challenge. You can speak to the lack. You can speak to whatever you're facing. And you can say, move in Jesus' name. The prayer of faith. You've proclaimed the promises. It's unlocked your faith. You've renounced. You've declared war on unbelief. You've prayed in the spirit. Producing power, producing more faith on the inside of you. And now you're standing with this mountain. You say, you will move in Jesus' name. And then the kingdom of God can come. You have a heavenly bank account that Jesus filled up through the blood of the lamb. You can draw from that when you activate your faith. So then pray until breakthrough. So so often we just stop short. I'm like, no, no, no. We're praying for somebody for healing. We're praying. And we're testing. And then we're praying again. And then we test again. And then we pray again. We push in. Don't stop short. Don't stop short. Don't stop. Keep on standing on the promise of God. Push through duty into delights. There's this place of delights where our prayers avail much. And the mountains move. And then lastly, remove obstacles. Often when we pray for people for physical healing, we pray for them. Some people, they get healed, boom, quickly. Then we pray for others and we pray and they get partially healed. And then, and then the healing doesn't continue. And then we start asking questions, but are there a block? Is there a block? Is there something under the surface that is keeping this healing from manifesting? Because the will of God is not the issue. We know it's the will of God to heal. Unbelief is the issue. Powerlessness is the issue. 
So uh, when we were in Wellington, we prayed for a, a man, I think he's about 27 years old, and he had major back problems since, the, uh, since grade nine. So from grade nine, he's had major back problems, so for more than 10 years, like 12 years. We prayed for him, and there's only partial improvement in, the, in his condition. And then as we were praying, we're like, okay, well, Lord, is there something spiritual here? And then as we were praying, the pain started to move around. Now, for those who know medical science, pain doesn't run around. And then we knew there's a demonic, there's a demonic root or a demonic block. Either it's the root cause of it or it's a block to the healing, but there's something demonic here. And we prayed with him, we renounced it, and then he was fully healed. First time in like 12 years, he had no pain in his back. Beautiful. Amen. So you have to get to the root. You have to remove the obstacle. If you want to see the kingdom of God come. At the other side of deliverance, there's more healing. And we're seeing it. We're seeing God moving in such a powerful, such beautiful way. So moving mountains through prayer. Summary. Proclaim the promises of God. Produce power. Pray in the spirit until your faith is unlocked. Until you feel there's more spiritual power in your life. Number three, pray until breakthrough. And then if it's not working, remove obstacles. Ask the Holy Spirit, God, is there something spiritual here that we should deal with? And then God is going to show up. Amen. Thank you for listening. Find more on Shofar East London's podcast channel. Let's do life together.